Hello and welcome to the Belarus edition of the Gambler Betting Podcast. I'm Selectabet and I'm joined as ever by Greg Brown. How's it going, Greg? Yeah, doing good, thank you. Very well. Good, and we are delighted to be joined on this special podcast by Liam from the Bell Pod, a podcast which focuses on the ins and outs of the beautiful game in Belarus. Welcome to the podcast, Liam. Hello, lovely to be here. It's great to have you. Um, We're going to spend the next 20, 30 minutes sharing our collective love of the game in Belarus, Um, although I think it's fair to admit that our interest in the game is less pure than yours. How did you become involved in Belarusian football and develop a, a passion for it? You won't be hugely surprised to know, Paul, that uh, it all came around around about last April time. When, uh, <laughs> I, like many others, were scouting around for something to watch and uh, everything else was shut down. And uh, clearly the word was out that they were still playing in, in Belarus. One might question why they were still playing. Um, but ultimately, I suppose uh, my selfish interest was purely in getting to watch some live football and getting that fix that so many people love to get uh, week in, week out. And it just developed from there, really. And obviously, when the big leagues came back in the summertime, uh, lots of people satisfied that they had uh, managed to bridge the gap between uh, not having any live football and, and the Premier League and, and the Bundesliga coming back. Julie uh, packed the bags and left. But um we stayed on, and myself and John and and many others uh, who felt a certain loyalty in a way to, to a league that helped us through a very difficult few weeks in terms of uh, how the nation was feeling in general, I think. Uh, and we, we've loved it ever since. And we were obviously treated to a wonderful finale to last season. Uh, so, yes, we, we've become more and more involved in it, really, and more and more uh, appreciative of um, what's going on over there. Yeah, it was an absolute godsend for us football fans at the time. I seem to remember... Uh, we all started to develop a favourite team, I think. <laughs> and I know that Greg is a, in proud possession of a Belshina pin badge, aren't you, Greg? I am indeed. Um, that was a very kind gift from you um, <laughs> last year. And Belshina were a big, big fan on our weekly podcast last season. And I'm still keeping a close eye on them in the, in the second tier. And they're doing OK. Yeah, sadly, they eventually succumbed, didn't they? Um, but we, we enjoyed betting on Belshina corners <laughs> for much of last season. Yeah, I guess the corner market was really one that kicked off and it probably started my passion for corner betting. I think I've been doing corners for years, but ultimately betting on team corners was, that was the start of it really. Uh, Belshina really struggling in the league, bottom end of the table, but the bookies really struggled though to, to price them up properly. Just on the fact that they had such a poor season, you were getting some great, great odds on them to hit just three or four corners. And more often than not, they were hitting seven, eight and nine. So very sad to see Bolshina go, but it's a new season and I'm sure there'll be a new Bolshina this year. Yeah, I was just going to say that. No no pressure on Liam, but we're hoping we can lean on him to help us identify <laughs> uh, the Bolshina of this season. Liam, before we get started, could you maybe just tell us a wee bit about the Bell Pod and where people can listen to it and who's involved and what they can expect? Yeah, I mean, at Bellport 2 is, is really the starting point in the sense that that's where we post uh, all our updates on the, on the, the BPL. And then obviously on that particular Twitter page, we have a link to the to the, to the Bellport um, podcast. We've got uh, 8 so far and the ninth one will be released tomorrow. We started off, I think, with a more uh, localised view in a way. We focused on Enigetic originally, myself and Dan and John. And then we realised that we were really quite taken with the whole scene rather than just one team in the league uh, and, and we expanded from there and in the pre in the pl- close season we expected to be quite quiet we were just mulling over the idea of perhaps we should do something new and focus on the league in general uh, and all sorts of things started happening all sorts of close season developments which really took our army thought right let's let's go for it let's get cracking uh, even though it's another couple of months until the season starts let's start recording some uh, some new episodes of a slightly revised more general uh, focusing on all teams in the league and uh, it was it was a great uh, decision, I think, for us because we've, we've really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, and I think, Greg, you'd agree it's already become a useful resource for yourself from a betting angle. Oh, it's been great. So w- when I reached out to the Bill Potter and to Liam um, last month, um, I had the pleasure of listening to their early season preview. And it was absolutely outstanding. It was an hour of the guys going through each team and their knowledge of the teams and the players is quite incredible. Yeah. So they went through from the bottom to the top in terms of where they expected teams to finish. And looking at the league table, 
as we currently stand, just approaching match day eight, we've pretty much nailed it in who's going to struggle, who those kind of mid-table sides will be, and who the sides at the top will be. So that, that bodes really well, um, and I'm sure Liam's quite chuffed about that. <laughs> yeah, so we are. We should clarify that we're seven games into the season already in Belarus. Um, I guess probably a good place to start is where we ended last season, Liam, and it was quite a spectacular finish to the season. It certainly was. I mean, it was amazing. As I said before, we, we went into the last game of the season. And when you consider that Barty Borisov had won the league, they hadn't won the league the previous season, but they'd won it for about 12 years in a row. And I'm sure some of those, I didn't check every single league season, but I'm fairly sure that quite a few of those were similar to the way Celtic have dominated Scottish football in recent years. Um but, you know, we, we as as newcomers to the league, were treated this wonderful final day scenario whereby it was basically a, a face-off between Shakhtar Soligorsk and Barté Borisov. And if Barté won, essentially they were going to win the league. Uh, and if they didn't win, then Shakhtar had to win to win the league, basically. And, and Barté had by far a more difficult game. They had to go uh, to Dinamo Minsk, a big rival, a bit like Liverpool against Manchester United in England or, or Celtic against Rangers in Scotland. And um, they couldn't beat Dinamo Minsk away from home the June nil nil, which didn't look like it was going to matter because Shakhtar couldn't beat FC Minsk or didn't look like they were going to beat FC Minsk for much of the game. They were behind in that game and it got to full time and it went into extra time, additional time. And it was still two all at that stage. Barté still had the uh, the league one again after one year off when Dinamo Brest won it. And then Shakhtar con- contrived to score two goals in injury time to win the game 4-2. And that was it. So a fantastic finish to the season. It was very, very enjoyable. And as I say, it felt like a reward for sticking with the league uh, after many others have decided that perhaps their priorities laid elsewhere when the bigger leagues returned last summer. I, th- I think as well, looking at obviously Belarusian football, Liam, most people pre-April 2020 will only be aware of Polly Batty probably. That's probably the main team due to their Champions League exploits. I think they won the league 13 years in a row. Dynamo Bress won it 2019. Uh, no, 2020, sorry. No, 2019, yeah, Dynamo Brest won the league and obviously last season, Shaktor. So I think from a neutral point of view, probably great to see someone else win the league other than Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely so. I think that was the key, really. And it was a shame, obviously, that there were Bate fans amongst our contingent. And I think most people, and to be fair, they hadn't won it the year before. So it, it wasn't like it was going to be yet another one. But I think Shakhtar, the Shakhtar story is great. They've often been in the top three. I think 2005 was the last time they won it with four last season. And so they'd been quite perennial bridesmaids over those 13, 14 years. And finally, it looked like they were going to blow it again, as I say, right going into injury time in the very last game. And then they conjured up a couple of goals uh, to, to win it. And then, yeah, I think that was an ideal finish. I think if it had finished uh, both games, both teams had drawn that last game and Barton won it almost by default, you know, almost by uh, Shakhtar messing up rather than them actually winning themselves uh, for themselves, then it would have been a very different feeling amongst the, you know, the, the, the contingent of fans who were still watching. But as it was, it was an absolute treat to, to behold, really. Indeed, it's probably worth pointing out as well. It wasn't just about Shakhtar and Bassi. It was such a close league last season. Um, if you look at the top four or five sides, even Torpedo were close to winning the league. So were Dynamo Brest, to be, Dynamo Brest, to be fair as well. They weren't that far behind. I think um, Dynamo Brest, 2019 champions, they had such a bad start to the season. I think they lost five of their first 10 matches. And they then went on a kind of run mid-season with just one win in six. But they went on this incredible run with one defeat in 17, which brought them up to what I think to finish fourth. So it was a very, very tight league. And I think the last two weeks before the season finished, it was up for grabs for two or three sides, wasn't it? Very much so. I mean, it's interesting that obviously this season, Neman Grodno is struggling mightily. But last season, they had one of those fairy tale seasons where they went on a run of about 12 or 13 games unbeaten and, and shot up the table. And so even Neman, although I think nobody realistically believed, apart from Neman Grodno fans, that they were going to win the league. But they were right in the in, in the hunt until the last couple of weeks, as you say. Torpedo were very much there. Dinamo Brest, were, were like, they struggled, as you say, early on and then came with this tremendous run towards the end where they were playing fantastic football. I think they just drew one of that two or three games in the end that kind of, they had to win every single game to be in the hunt. But, you know, realistically, there were four or five teams up there, certainly if not to win the league, you know, to finish in the top two or three. And, and that was fantastic because, as you say, we, we, we come into the league perhaps with not that much knowledge of the history of it, but a quick check revealed that, that Barté had been, you know, all, all powerful for years and years and I suspect as I say that although 
chapter or pushed them on a couple of occasions, then generally they had it pretty much their own way for a long time. And then we were catapulted into the season where any one of four or five teams could have could have could have won it really. Yeah, and I, I guess obviously like you, Liam, we have we didn't follow the league before last season, but Smolovici and Belshina both came up from the second tier and were both relegated last season. Um, so in terms of the teams that have come up, we've got champions Sputnik, we've got Gomo who finished second, and Smorgan. So it would be great if you could just tell us a bit about the story about how Smorgan ended up in the in the top flight. Well, that's a story. <laughs> that That is a story, and it's a story that you just cannot quite believe. Uh, it could actually be true. Uh, and it's quite hard on Smorgan, because to be fair, there's an awful lot of acrimony towards them now. You might say they were a bit opportunistic, but um, let me let me explain a bit further what happened there. Basically, there's a team in the Peshire Liga, the, 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 the Belarusian second division called Krumkachi, and this team is privately owned, uh, and so feels quite able to be quite critical of the uh, dictatorship in Belarus. And basically, they made the playoffs against Slutsk, the uh, promotion uh, relegation playoff that exists in Belarus and lost it. And uh, so Slits were staying up. But then a team called Gorodea just folded basically overnight. Uh, the local sugar factory failed to give any more support to it, just withdrew this funding, and that was it. Basically, Gorodea were gone. So there was a space in the uh, Vishishai Liga for a team to come up alongside uh, uh, Smorgan uh, and Sputnik. And unfortunately, um, the ABFF, the controlling body, decided that Krimkachi were not going to get up no matter what. So even though they'd lost the uh, promotion playoff uh, final to Slutsk, and in theory, as third-place team, should have been offered the place uh, uh, in the in the Shai Liga, they were told they couldn't have it, that they, they, they lost the chance on the field of play, they weren't going to be given a second chance. You know, off the field of play. Uh, they then offered this um, spare place in the Vishishai Liga to both uh, Lokomotiv Gomel uh, and also to Arsenal Zizinsk, who were the teams that finished in fourth and fifth place. And uh, both of them said no, they didn't fancy it. Uh, so then Smorgan, who were in sixth place, were offered the place and said, OK, we'll have a go. So we have a team here playing in the Vishishai Liga who are basically finished sixth in the uh, second division last season. And as you can imagine, given the circumstances under which they were promoted, there is quite a lot of uh, antipathy towards them. Uh, and obviously they're up against it because they, they weren't anywhere near good enough to even qualify for the promotion playoff. And all of a sudden they're catapulted into the the BPL and, and they're going to having to, to deliver that, I suppose, to a certain extent. And uh, Sputnik, a similar problem for them, they uh, decided that they had to relocate to Gommel from Machitza, which is their hometown, so to speak. Uh, and then the major sponsor, which is based in Machitza, withdrew their support. So all of a sudden, Sputnik had no money and essentially were about to go uh, bust until the ABSF stepped in and sort of said, we'll help you out. And, persuaded a local sponsor, Belarusnef, to give some of the money that was originally destined for the other two teams in that region, who are Gomel and Slavia and Morsia. They basically said, can you give some of it to Sputnik, please? Otherwise, they're going to go uh, under as well. And that's what happened. So they're essentially kept alive by this money that's been found from somewhere to keep them alive and a, a series of loan players. So it is quite similar, sadly, to what happened last year with Smolovici in that they also were kept alive to a certain extent and suddenly the funding disappeared mid-season and they, it's just a bit of a mess, really. But the, <laughs> the underlying and uh, the biggest story, I suppose, out there is, is the one of Smorgan, who essentially, I, I don't think I've ever heard of a team being promoted, having finished in sixth place, uh, unless they'd won, their, won the right to do so through, through a playoff system like we might have in the Championship in England. Uh, it's just quite bizarre and it's purely political in the sense that the ABFF would do whatever they could to make sure that Krumkachi didn't get promoted. And it's, a, and it's a great story for us to know about when looking at this league in terms of you've got a team there who are essentially very inexperienced and who are in the top flight but with a second tier squad. And I don't, I don't think it's going to end too well for them. It's not looking great at the moment. Although they have won a match, to be fair. So what's interesting about about that, Greg? I don't, I don't know what the atmosphere is like down at St Johnston on a on a, on a big big game game day. But uh, they're not many. Uh, they only played one home game so far, Smorgan, because they the, the ground wasn't ready or whatever. I'm not sure. I think that's the we never know about these sort of things. They just they played five games away from home to start the season. They then played Sputnik at home, which is quite convenient because if they had to have a game to play first at home, you might as well play another team that's right down the bottom with you rather than a really big one. And the atmosphere there was was really quite raucous. There weren't thousands of them there, but it was really, really quite noisy and uh, intimidating, I would suggest. And, and I think, you know, that that must have given them a lot of confidence. They then went to Barty last week and only lost 1-0. 
I, I don't think uh, they're completely out of the out of the picture in terms of surviving, which a lot of teams are down the bottom, probably just going to try and do, try and finish, you know, 13th, which would mean they would stay in the division or 14th, which would mean they'd be in the promotion relegation playoff. So, yeah, it's not looking great for them. But I think they've gone for it. And they've also been helped a little bit, Morgan, by the fact that the way Belarusian football works, essentially the money is given to the regional council and by the government. Lots of teams rely on that funding from the government via, via the regional councils. And essentially, Smorgan took some of the money that was destined for Neyman Grodno, which is in the same area, because when the money was handed out by the government, they said, well, we need Smorgan to be coming up as well. You need to share some of your pot with, with, with Smorgan now. So, you know, they have used that money to strengthen a little bit, I think. And they, they've made themselves a little bit more competitive. I've just signed the guy as well. who was on the books at Ruben Kazan, which is a quite an eye-catching signing. So you never know. And that's uh, it would be nice because as you you feel as a, as, a, as a Belshina fan, quite sad to see them disappear last year. And I think what we enjoyed about Belshina and Smolovici last year was they both tried to play football. They both they yeah. didn't really just lump it. And I suspect that's where you got your high corner count from because Belshina's biggest problem is they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And they also weren't great at uh, stopping the ball from going. They in the lost back of the so net. many late goals, Belshina. I think there must have been about at least a dozen matches where they were yeah. going into the last 10 minutes of games, either winning or drawing, and did it end up losing? <laughs> yeah, it, it was a real uh, tactic of her sometimes to jump on and play, Greg, wasn't it? If, if they were leading uh, with, with 10 minutes to go. Lose a late goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of those uh, teams, sorry, just in terms of those teams, Liam, sorry. So in terms of the Gombo story, though, they haven't come up and struggled so far. Quite the opposite. No. That, that's interesting because because they definitely are a, a, a quite a wealthy club. I think we, it's fair to say that they've got quite a lot of backing there, and they've also got a young manager called Bionchik who really does seem to know his stuff. He seems there's just a, they play with a just a complete lack of fear. He's made some quite cunning signings as well, but they just they've got a guy up front called Solove who looks very promising. He missed quite a lot of their. Uh, type of his career because he had to do military service so that kind of set him back a little bit um, but he seems to be showing that he can really he, he might he was a former under 21 striker for for the national team and so he's he's found a bit of form they do look like a team that really just don't care they just go out and i'll give an example they played dinamo minsk a couple of weeks ago conceded a really poor goal in the first minute and won the game 2-1 and dinamo minsk for all that they have their failings. They're a big side and Gommel just went there and basically weren't remotely bothered by this early psychological blow. Didn't even seem to phase them at all. Carried on playing the way they play, which is a nice attacking style of football. Won the game 2-1, actually with 2-1 up with half an hour to go and, and saw out the game quite comfortably. So yeah, very, very different story from them. But Smorgan and Sputnik, I think we always felt would struggle because of the way that you know, one team shouldn't really have come up and the other team essentially might might have been no more had it not been. It's essentially being kept you know, alive on a sort of you know life support machine, Sputnik. Um, but Gobble are a different story. They, they've got better backing. They've got a lovely ground, which looks a bit more like a sort of, uh, like we would imagine our grounds to look in, in, in England and Scotland, a real kind of throwback it, it looks great to me. I'd love to go there. And uh, Sputnik are playing there, but it's certainly got almost grand and a decent pitch, and a, you know, decent crowd there for their first home game. I, I think that, yeah, I think that we always felt that they would do better than the other two. But I think we've both been a bit surprised by how well they've done. They, they look like a team now who might even be pushing for a top six finish, which would be remarkable, really. I think that's a fascinating insight into the, the teams that have coming up. But you alluded earlier to the fact that there was a lot of comings and goings in the summer, which piqued your interest to um, have a broader look at the league. Can you maybe fill us in on the movers and shakers at the top of the league? Well, I mean, the, the Dinamo breast breast story is an absolute classic. I mean, it's just quite, again, you really could not make it up. Last season, I don't quite know how they managed this, but Dinamo breast and Rootbreast were essentially being run by the same guy, Mr Zaitsev. And uh, so they had essentially a farm team in theory, goodness knows how they managed to arrange what happened when the two teams played each other. Um, it didn't seem to me, I watched both games, it didn't seem to me like there was any pre-arranged result. But um, yeah, Dinamo Brest had all the good players. Rook Brest was sort of the pretenders to the throne. And then in the close season, Mr Zaitsev suddenly decided he wasn't really interested in Dinamo Brest anymore, even though they'd actually won the league the previous season and played in the Champions League um, last summer and done all right, to be fair, and not, not, not disgraced themselves. Uh, he just left, basically. He'd handed the club back to the council uh, and, and went off with Rook Brest in the same uh, in the same city not even didn't even leave the country or leave or leave the city just said right and then of course would conveniently transferred all his best players from Dinamo Brest over to Rook Brest so Dinamo Brest in about January of this year which is about when we start to think well we need to we need to do a podcast about this we need to start talking about this Dinamo Brest eventually we were handed back to the council with no real money to spend on the team and no team 
because most of them had left. Um, and that is quite remarkable that although they're not, I think most of us feel that they're probably top six is the best they can do. They're not going to be real challenges to the to the Shakhtar and, and Dinamo Minsk and Barca triumvirate. But, you know, quite remarkable when you think with just sort of six weeks to go the season, we weren't even sure that they would actually have a, a club anymore because uh, it, it was that bad. And uh, the council stepped in and made all the right noises and the manager Kovalchuk, I think he's probably built on that whole kind of idea of a siege mentality and, you know, yeah. we're not going to go, we're going to, you know, and he's done a great job with that. His squad isn't, isn't the, it's not a brilliant squad. It's quite thin, uh, but the crowds they get at home uh, down at the Bretzky are, are quite remarkable. And obviously by comparison, Rick Brest play to a couple of hundred. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure you can think of a better parallel than me, but there's, there is a, there is a hated team and a, and a people's team in Brest at the moment. And you can see why, and, and to be <laughs> fair, they're pretty much neck and neck in the league at the moment. But um, I think, most neutrals and obviously many people in Brest would much rather that Dinamo, you know, basically bloodied the nose of Rook when they when they play each other, and that this grand project that Mr. Zaitsev has uh, set up in his in his new club with his new love uh, falls flat on its face. That sounds like a, a derby to look forward to when that happens. Absolutely, I can imagine. I mean, you know, they were getting huge crowds, really. I mean, obviously, there's there are some issues over there, and a lot of the, the uh, ultra fans are, are boycotting games because of the current political situation. But I mean, huge fans, huge crowds by, by Belarusian stands. You know, the the Dinamo Brest lot are, are getting anything between three and five thousand, which is quite remarkable at this stage of the of the campaign, really, in, in terms of all that's going on in the country. So, and it's deafening, you know, I suppose perhaps we're not so used to hearing fans. It's been such a long time to <laughs> switch on to a Dino Brest game. You know, like the chanting is just like, so they got massive home advantage there. The squad is still not the best. Uh, yeah, I think Dino against Rook will be an absolute cracker. And I, I suspect that very few people will turn up at that stadium uh, showing their Rook colours because clearly in that city, there's a, there's one team that's the people's favourites and the others that are somewhat shunned by all, but the, uh, the, the, the significant minority. I think as well, look, looking at the league at the moment, obviously match day eight's upon us. And you could probably say the same with most leagues, this size of 16 teams. It's probably going to split off into three sections. You're going to have your teams at the bottom end who are going to be fighting relegation. And I think we've already called them out, Liam, haven't we? So Sputnik's probably one of them. Smorgan, probably. Question marks over Slutsk and FC Minsk. But you then got kind of probably five or six clubs mid-table who probably don't have the resources of the team to kind of compete top five, top six. Teams like Ishlosh, Vitesse, for example. Um, is that the kind of feeling we'll get again this season? We're going to have that kind of split of three kind of teams or three sorry sections? Yeah, I think that's what, when we did the preview a couple of months ago, we, we saw there be three sections, so the teams aspiring to be in the top five or six and the mid-table teams, the next sort of six places down and then the bottom three or four that were probably all trying to avoid relegation or the, the relegation playoff game. But I think the, my uncertainty about both Smorgan and Sputnik is, is based on the fact that Obviously, Nate and Gronda haven't done brilliantly so far. Slutsk have looked very promising. We don't have a huge number of points on the board. Slavia Morzir, again, not desperately impressive. Um, so I think there are a few other teams in there that probably at the start of the season are thinking comfortable mid-table and, and may yet get drawn into that scrap down the bottom if either Sport, Sport, Smallland or Sputnik can put any sort of run together. I mean, they are... Uh, as we've said, quite quite big outsiders. We'd expect them both to go straight back down again. Um, but even Energetic, to be honest, you had a very good start to the season last season. Energetic is one of those teams that uh, they pay very little money and essentially, in fact, borrow players and, 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 and try and develop talent. And of course, as soon as that talent is developed, it tends to leave. Um, so they haven't had a brilliant start either, really. They've, they've got issues you know, scoring goals. So I think it is much more, we certainly felt that there would be three sections, but I'm wondering now, more so whether some of those teams in the middle section might be thinking looking rather nervously over their shoulders and possibly the teams at the bottom if they can just get a little bit of momentum going uh, may start to you know cause them a few problems and might, might I mean one of the games this weekend that's very interesting is Smorgan against Neyman so Smorgan's second home game and if they turn up as they turned up last time against Sputnik with the same sort of uh, attitude and the same sort of vociferous backing. I, I wouldn't bet against Morgan winning that game. It's funny you say that, Liam. So, in terms of the betting angle for this match, I had a look at it, and as you say, Grodno for a really, really rubbish start to the season. Seven matches, three draws, four defeats. But they're 4-9 to nine to win this match, which I was a bit stunned by, um, given the fact they are sitting second bottom and they are away from home. And to your point, they're playing this Morgan side, who at home could cause them trouble. 
I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's very difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, probably now Neyman will go there and win 3-0. But you can only go on what you've seen most recently. Neyman have been a little bit unlucky. They have been in most of their games. They haven't really suffered any drubbings in those seven games. Uh, but they do struggle to score goals. I think they're quite a slow side overall. I don't think they're, they've got some, some quite experienced pros in there. But I don't sense that there's a huge goal-scoring threat. They've lost some very good players from last season. And Smorgan are playing at home for the second time. And, and there's certainly something about them. And they've just, as I say, been to Barca and lost only 1-0. And in fact, had a great chance with about a minute to go to actually grab a grab an equaliser. So I don't know. I, I can see why the general odds would be very much in favour of Neyman as the established uh, Vichyshire Liga team and, and Smorgan, who, as we've said several times, finished sixth in the league below and are still in the still in the top division. But yeah, nine, nine to four on um yeah, I certainly wouldn't if I'm not a betting man. But if I if I were a betting man, I don't think I'd be rushing to take those ones. And I think as well, we should probably have a, a minute silence for the Vitesk fans. Um, <laughs> and the reason why I say that, they are seven matches in and there's been five, I repeat, five nil-nil draws. They are they are truly dismal to watch, I have to say. There's a, there's a guy called Diego Carioca, who unsurprisingly, with that kind of name, is Brazilian. I think he's a really good player. And he's he's slightly lost his way. And it's one of those you just can't quite work out. I thought he looked really good at Batebs last year. He then got loaned to Shakhtar for the sort of last third of the season. Didn't play all that much there. And they didn't have any hesitation in sending him back to Vitebsk. He looks absolutely miserable up there. He's, he's, he's an attacking player. I don't know what the, the coach Chanukin is asking him to do, but I imagine he's asking him to spend more time in his own half than in the attacking half. And Chanukin is completely unapologetic about it. He's, well, you know, this is, I don't really care about entertainment. You know, we're here to get results. And it's just like, it is absolutely dismal to watch. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, not not good at all, I have to say. I think a minute silence is quite appropriate, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's only, what, three goals in total to by Vitebsk, and they've only conceded one in seven games. Well, uh, the goal, and the goal they conceded is was an absolutely comical own goal that people would have <laughs> right. saved. And it was, it was a 1-0 uh, defeat at Torpedo, and it was just another one of those absolutely dreadful games. And you do end up watching Vitebsk and thinking, I really hope, you know, somebody falls over in the box and the referee gives a penalty <laughs> or something. You know, just because the only way you can kind of perceive that the, the, the Vitebs might slightly come out of their shell is if they go behind. Because uh, this weekend uh, they're at FC Minsk and uh, it's one for the purest, I would suggest. That's the most polite way of putting it. I mean, it's, it's almost like a masochistic pleasure. Do you know what I mean? You think, I've got to watch Vitebs because it surely can't be as bad as it was last week. And then invariably it is. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's a work in progress, to be fair to him. He hasn't been a manager there. He hasn't been coaching there since... He's only been there since the summer, I think. So you know, he's not that experienced, but still, it is pretty dreadful to watch, to be honest. And we've yeah. had a look at the odds in this match, finishing 0-0. Um, I, I think it's been backed in, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I think, uh, Liam, you were saying it was around 11-1 to earlier in the week. It's now 8-1 to at Bet365, so somebody somewhere has identified <laughs> the, the mistake by the bookies. I mean, it's well, difficult, isn't it? Because ultimately you think, well, surely by the law of probability, there's been five nil nils out of seven. You know, surely that's to be a point at which there's a three. Or what's interesting about them and what I find quite bizarre is that I did actually see them in a cup game against Barte. Uh, and it was 3-2. It was a great game. It's absolutely end-to-end stuff. Uh, you know, end up thinking, right, this is a turning point. You know, this is we're, we're suddenly now going to start watching some really, really good uh, attacking football. And then next game, I think, was nil-nil, unsurprisingly. So it, it is a bizarre one. You, can't, you, you do feel that they haven't got huge amount of attacking prowess in their team. So you can see why they might want to keep it tight and try and nick one. Um, but yeah, they need to be a little bit more positive and a little bit more, you know, a little bit more go-get-em than they are at the moment, I think. What is interesting, Greg, is that under two and a half goals market is seven to ten, which still, right? still feels a bit big for a team that's drawn five games now. Now that was like an absolutely cracking <laughs> place, doesn't it? Based on how the season started so far. Yeah, it's not it's not a bet we advocate too often on the podcast. So we're seven games in, Liam. Um, how do you feel things are shaping up as opposed to what you thought they would look like um, when you did your kind of pre-season preview? I think um, the only perhaps slight disappointment for us, because we we, we, we sort of nailed our colours to the mask as far as Dinamo Mints were concerned, we felt that they'd made some really good additions in the close season. But the biggest problem at Dinamo Minsk is the coach Kuchuk in the sense that 
he doesn't really like playing attacking football. He doesn't really want to. Uh, he's quite similar to Chinook, and I think in Vitebsk, he wants to be solid defensively and you know, try and nick a goal on a counter attack or get a goal and then sit back and defend it. And actually, that he come he came unstuck against Gomel, and that might have been a great thing for Dinamo Minsk fans in a, in a perverse way because I think it sort of showed him that ultimately you've got all these attacking players and you're stifling them with your your tactics. And, and if you do that against half decent sides, and I wouldn't even call Gomel. You know, I don't think Gomel are going to finish top two or three. Um, this is what happens you know you sit back and try and defend and you're going to get picked off and then of course once they did go 2-1 down they didn't really look like they were going to get back in the game they did they depressed but they didn't look like they were going to do much he's brought in a guy called Beng uh, in slightly strange circumstances that he basically walked out of his previous club and Dino Minsk rushed to pick him up I'm not quite sure what the whole story was there um, but he's good I mean he's a really decent striker he's got pace he doesn't look like he's 100% fit yet but he may well uh, turn their season around but the biggest turnaround in the last couple of games for them is that they've just gone out and tried to beat teams rather than trying not to lose. Uh, and if they can keep that going, although they're still uh, seven points behind uh, Shakhtar at the moment, then I still think they've got a great chance of being in there. Uh, I don't think Barté uh, still as re- as realistic a, a, a contenders as Dinamo Minsk are, even though they're four points ahead of them at the moment. So I suppose, yeah, that was our biggest surprise. Not surprise, because we always wonder whether he would be prepared to... Uh, to roll the dice, so to speak, you know, whether he would keep keep his cards close to his chest and try and eke out loads more 1-0 victories like he tried to do last year. Um, but I think we thought that they would be close to Shakhtar at this stage. I still think they've got potential to, to push Shakhtar. Um, I suppose Gom will have done slightly better than we expected. Certainly Dino Abrest, uh, we didn't think that they would be. We thought they wouldn't be in any trouble, uh, but we didn't think that they would be as near the top as they are. And I suppose Neman Grodno, although we knew they'd lost some really good players last season in the close season, I think we thought they would probably be fairly steady mid-table rather than looking very anxiously over their shoulders as they are at the moment. Uh, Kovalevich, the, the coach there, has offered his resignation this week and you know the slightly bizarre twist, doesn't have very much nowadays, does it? Um, the, the board have just said, no, sorry, you're not going anywhere. We'll, we'll reevaluate <laughs> your results after the first half of the season is complete and if we're not happy with the results at that point, we might let you resign, which is completely different. <laughs> when was the last time you remember a manager offering his resignation and the board we'll saying, denied, no, yeah. You know, we usually we usually kick them out quickly, don't we? We don't, we don't. You know, they go. I mean, there are most managers who resign. It's the old by mutual consent rubbish, isn't it? Which yeah. basically means, you know, either you either you go or we'll push you. Um, but yeah, Kovalevich just said, no, I'm sorry, I've had seven games. I'm not really doing it for for this team. And, and the committee came back and said, well, actually, no, you're not going anywhere, which is uh, quite tough. So it's a uh, Shakhtar that are top of the table, a pretty much perfect start to season seven wins from seven, but. They've yet to really play anyone of note. Exactly, yeah. I think the big thing there is that they're, they're playing Barté this weekend at home. I think that's the first really big game, really big test. I mean, they have played Rook Brest, who were much touted before the start of the season because of all the decent players that they've signed from their, their cross-city rivals. Uh, you know, they have got a really decent squad at Rook Brest, but it hasn't really worked for them quite yet. They've taken on the coach from who was at Barté last year, Arshevsky, and, and there's, a, there's some question marks there about how he's... Uh, setting them up to play and and so I'm not sure that they really are going to contend as we as we hope that they would uh, a lot of people don't hope they will have a lot of people as I say because of what happened the circumstances under which they've managed to strengthen their squad are very unhappy about that but um, from a relatively neutral point of view I suppose you want as many people competing for the title as you can I'm not sure at the moment that they're going to do that unless perhaps they look elsewhere in terms of their coaching situation so yeah Shakhtar have have done brilliantly to, to win all seven of course but yeah, the toughest game they've had is Rook and they, they swept them aside comparatively easily. So really this weekend is all about, you know, what can they do against Barté? If they can uh, put Barté away comfortably, then they will obviously move seven points clear of Barté. Uh, and that is a, a big lead even, you know, yeah. eight games into the season, isn't it? But we'll see. Uh, they've just lost a cup semi-final at Isloch, uh, which means that Isloch are in the final of the Belarusian Cup for the first time ever, which is a lovely story. Particularly lovely story because it's one of those weird quiz, quiz questions I think will come up in future years. Uh, the coach at um, Abate, Zhukovsky, was coach at Isloch last year and the Belarusian Cup is played over two seasons. So he took them to the quarterfinals Isloch and then left for Abate after a long and a distinguished career at Isloch as the coach. And now he's taken Barté to the final. So the two finalists have basically both got there, um, thanks to the work of Zagowski, who's, who's, who's split his time between the two teams. Um, so that's a great story. But yeah, I, I think I think Barté, it's a big test for them as well. They've, they've not played anyone great either. Uh, probably Gommel is the toughest team that they've played. 
So, yeah, it's, it's, we're really looking forward to that one. It should be a cracking game. And obviously, I think most neutrals would hope that at the very least, Barté don't lose because there is a point in which you think, right, they win eight in a row. Is there a point yeah. in which this this is starting to run away and, 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 and no one's going to catch them? And, and clearly, uh, they have the most resources, Shakhtar. They have the biggest squad. They have an absolute abundance of riches. Uh, they were able to spend seven hundred thousand euros on a striker in the uh, in the close season, which is you know it's like spending seventy million. It's like Tory Andre Flo money, really. You know, in twenty twenty one in Scotland. <laughs> so you know, it's it's unbelievable uh, that they have that much money. They they have a potash mine in in uh, in Soligorsk, which funds the team essentially. It's a very a rich uh, potash mine, and the miners are very happy because they work very hard in horrible conditions and. And the football club spend these huge sums of money on players, but it does mean that they ought to be, uh, you know, firm favourites. But obviously, as neutrals, we'd like to see somebody else mount a really decent challenge to them. And I guess as well, Liam, looking through some of the other clubs we haven't spoken about yet, I, I guess it's probably fair to say clubs like FC Minsk, for example, they are just picking up the dregs, aren't they? They are just picking up players from other clubs who aren't cutting the mustard. Is that is that a fair point? Yeah, I mean, the situation in FC Minsk is a really bizarre one in the sense that um, they seem to have now become a sort of feeder club for Rook Brest. Now, Rook Brest were a feeder club for Dinamo Brest before, in theory. Now, suddenly, you know, they've become a team that gives a few of its players to FC Minsk, for instance. Interesting thing there is, I think we all thought that FC Minsk, they appointed this guy whose most uh, recent success was winning the airport league in Russia, I think, in 2016. And everybody was going, what on earth is going on here they had a coach at the end of last season did a great job with them and they were really struggling FC Minsk I think you probably you would have seen them right down the bottom with Belshina and Smolovici yeah they had a coach who was doing a fantastic job for them uh, and they just got rid of him in the close season and it all seemed a bit dodgy and then they brought in this guy who didn't really seem to have any pedigree of any description uh, as is often the case you know the man the man putting in the money says I want him as my coach and to be fair Shishobajenko has done a pretty good job you know they've, they've done all right but yeah you're right they're they are generally uh, picking up players from elsewhere, as, as most teams are. Most teams, or there's a few African players who've come in. I think it's a show. It's, it's very much a shop window, Belarus, isn't it? You know, it's, it's considered a decent enough standard that you go over there and you you do pretty well. Then you probably get a move to maybe a Russian team or maybe yeah. a Polish team. A couple of players came in uh, last season. Yaxi Boev, who came in uh, and has ended up at Legia Warsaw. Another guy, Godfrey Steven who's come in and is now uh, playing uh, in Poland as well. Uh, so there, there is that potential to, to move up. I think he's in Czechoslovakia in, in, in Poland. Uh, and the, the biggest example of that, of course, is Lysakovic, who was at Shakhtar last year and is now playing in, in the Russian Premier League. So, you know, it, it, there is that potential uh, to go in there and, and make a name for yourself. And that is probably what most teams are trading on. You're not seeing transfer deals or anything, of course. There's no money changing hands. It's just come and play for us and here's a shop window in a decent league. And if you do well... We accept that you're probably going to move on, you know. So I think after seven games, having looked at this weekend's matches, I, I must admit it's quite a tricky card to navigate through. Um, so there's two games tomorrow on Friday. There's three matches on Saturday and three matches on Sunday. And that's typically how the, the fixture card works, isn't it? Across the weekend, across three days, two games Friday, three Saturday, three Sunday. Tends to be the pattern, yeah. Obviously, last weekend was there was the Russian Orthodox Easter, so we were all quite upset because we all sat there twiddling our thumbs on Sunday. <laughs> most most inconsiderately, uh, basically, there were no games on Sunday. Uh, but yeah, usually that's the pattern. A couple of games on Friday. Hopefully, they kick off late enough for us to get back from work to see them, or maybe get the second half at least. And then three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday. So yeah, I mean, there doesn't seem to be any particular. I mean, this weekend, uh, Barte uh, against Shakhtar um, at, in, in Soligorsk is, is the Sunday night game. Uh, I think on the whole, I don't see any real pattern there in terms of what games they show as this they don't seem to have a slot you know where they put the biggest game of the weekend um but yeah that the, there, there are some it's just every every game you look at it and you think every week this this week i say the top two games are probably uh, as i say quite obviously Shakhtar against Barte. but then you've got Isloch against Torpedo uh, sorry against um Dinamo Minsk which is another another really big game you know Isloch just come off a semi-final win Dinamo Minsk won a couple of games well and you know need to keep up the pressure need to keep uh, you know keep Shakhtar in their sights uh, if they can and then there are other games beneath that they're they're all intriguing so there's many and obviously Smorgan name and down the bottom which is your, is your, your archetypal relegation six pointer so yeah it is difficult I think I think pretty much every game and, and you were talking about Rook Sputnik earlier on and you think look at that you know you look at that and you think it's going to have to be a home win you know Rook have got massive resources and Sputnik have got absolutely nothing but Sputnik have just changed their coach in the week 
League. They only lost to Shakhtar 2-1 last weekend. So you think, well, yeah, in theory, it yeah, really so to be a comfortable admit, I did look at this game um, initially, Rook versus Sputnik, and the, the angle was going to be minus one, Rook minus one at five to six. Also looked at Rook to score in both halves at even money. But I was put off by the fact that Sputnik did have a great result, I say a great result, a good performance against Shakhtar, and they've got a new manager. Never keen to back against a team who've got a new manager in charge, at least to find out how, how they get on. And I think also Dinamo Minsk away to Islosh, very, very short price, one to two. Um, not too keen at this part of the season to be backing a, an away side at one to two. And as you say, especially after Islosh coming into this match off the back of a terrific uh, cup semi-final win. So for me this weekend, at the moment, just one bet for me. And that probably won't be the same moving forward. We'll probably have two or three bets lined up. But I think for this weekend... I think Gommel could be the new Belshina, and it's a big it's a big thing to say. That's that's <laughs> a bold statement. Very bold statement. But <laughs> looking at Gommel's start to the season, um, and I think as Liam kind of alluded to as well, they do have resources behind them. They they they, they could very much challenge to get into that kind of top four, not top four, sorry, top six potentially. But looking at their corners so far this season, it's quite interesting actually. Uh, they're hitting some really good numbers. Um, they've hit 9, 9, 7, 5, 2, 4 and 8 across their 7 games so far. And that includes 9 against Rook, which is pretty impressive. And they've got 7 against Batty as well. So they're definitely not scared to mix it against the, the league's, I guess, bigger and better sides. So to hit 5 or more corners this season in 5 of their 7 matches. So I'm going to take them at home on Friday, tomorrow at home to Slutsk, um to hit six corners. Now, it's not normally a, a, a line I would go for. To hit six, it's quite a high line. But looking across this weekend, it's quite a tough card. And I do think that Gomo will win this match. They're four to six to do so. Um, I think the jury's still out, Liam, isn't it, on Slutsk and how they'll get on this season? Yeah, I think very much so. I mean, again, they, they, they haven't got many resources behind them and they, they had a fantastic start to last season obviously got lots of attention because of their name from the from the worldwide uh, fan base that, <laughs> yes, <remember> that. <laughs> that grew very quickly and it, it was to be honest a little bit tedious when it, it just went a bit too far really it's the name of the town for goodness sake it's not that funny um but yeah it, ultimately they they did um then take a real dive and as as is often the case it's all it was all about finances it's all about the money not getting through and the players not getting paid uh, and i think they you know again had quite a precarious close season and what you were saying earlier on very much uh, you know feeding off other teams scraps and getting in a manager who kind of knew his stuff and and brought in players in fact the manager who was at uh, smolivici last year so you know trying to sort of box and cocks a bit and get some players in they've got a lad up front called Stephen Alfred who's really promising but yeah there's a the, the, you kind of root for them in the sense that they clearly are a team running off very little money and they seem to want to play the game the right way um but I would expect Gommel to win that game and the other thing is is that obviously Gommel have only played in this particular stadium uh, once before because they have a strange rule whereby they don't have to play uh, on grass uh, until after May the 1st. So given that the Belarusian winters are quite unpleasant, I think a lot of teams started their season playing on Astro. Uh, but then on May the 1st, they can't anymore in the, in, in the top league. They're not allowed to. So you have to get your grass pitches ready for May the 1st. After that, the artificial pitches are out, out, out of the question. And that means that Gommel initially just played in an artificial pitch um, in, in Gommel itself. And now the first game they played at home is against Torpedo. And I think they need 4,000 there, which again, you, you, you know, in, in Premiership terms in England, that's nothing. But in, in, in Belarusian terms, that's a decent crowd. Yeah. So I would expect a decent crowd to show up there. Uh, and I think they're definitely the favourites to win that game. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about the corners market, to be honest. I didn't, didn't know those figures. But um, I would expect them to be on the front foot, put it that way. And so hopefully, um, you know, they, they would, they'll win that game quite comfortably. Yeah, and that'll be my my first foray into the, the new season anyway. Um, we gone with a hit six or more corners at four to five with Skybet. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. We did dip into the reserve league already this season, Greg, on the Sputnik. They were conceding goals at an alarming rate to start with, weren't they? Yeah, an alarming rate's probably been very polite. <laughs> um, I think they had conceded something like 29 goals in their first five games. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the bookies have kind of cottoned on a little bit, but the reserve league itself, it's very, very wide open. Um, so many goals 
most games are probably going over 3.5 and 4.5. Um, and there's actually a couple of games tomorrow I've got my eye on. Lots of goals in Dinamo Brest matches so far this season. Um, so I may have a little look and chuck something onto the channel uh, tomorrow morning. Yeah. I think the thing, the thing there is it's interesting you see the two teams you've mentioned there, Sputnik and Dino and Brest, but what do they have in common? Both teams essentially have a a reasonable first 11. In fact, Dino and Brest have got a better than first 11, but both teams had very difficult close seasons and have obviously what little money they've had to spend, they've spent it on their on their first team. When you dig a little bit deeper... Quality rather than quantity. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. The quality is there for the first 11 or maybe first 15. But after that, the drop off is staggering. And I think that's probably, you know, Sputnik goodness knows what their reserves look like. Some of the guys on their bench are, are not the best, you know. So, you know, you would think that there, there are some teams there that are right for the picking, unfortunately. I did have a look through Sputnik's um, reserve team, actually. And it's literally just littered with 16 and 17 year olds. So a very, very young, young side. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's lambs to the slaughter, isn't it? Unfortunately, and then that's that's a sad, you know, consequence of what's happened there. Say they might have got into the season thinking that they would be in a quite a strong position, but as soon as the furniture company in Machitza said, "Sorry, we're not really interested in supporting you anymore because you're not going to play in Machitza anymore," which wasn't really their fault because the stadium wasn't considered good enough, they would have had to demolish it and start again, which they didn't have the money to do. So they were kind of in a bit of a catch twenty two situation, and and from that, obviously, we've got the situation whereby, as you say, the first team is struggling having won the league last year which the step up is difficult anyway isn't it you know and and they're struggling because they've been thrown together from loan signings and a few others and obviously the reserve team as a consequence is incredibly weak yeah yeah i think that might be something that we we look at further into the season greg is that that reserve league absolutely yeah definitely liam before you go i've got a couple of very quick questions for you to answer um one is can you tell me a wee bit more about the human spider plant that john referred to in one of your podcast a couple of weeks ago <laughs> i think he's referring to gleb shevchenko i'm really not sure where that came from i thought it was quite amusing when he said that i was like yeah. what are you talking about but I, i'm very <laughs> sure he's talking he thought it was it was the game between slavia and Bosnia, wasn't it and uh, gleb shevchenko is a bizarre character i mean he's he's extraordinary in the sense that he he was at uh, slavia Mosia last year he had dreadlocks which obviously is quite unusual for for belarus um he shaved them all off. Uh, he wasn't particularly impressive at uh, Moz. He was consistently dropped. And then they brought in this rule in the uh, in the close season whereby basically every team has to field a young Belarusian player. They have to have somebody in their team. I think it was born after 1999, I think it is. And Shevchenko fits the bill for that. So Shakhtar signed him and everyone was like, well, we know, we know what that's happening. He's only being signed because essentially he's young and he's half, half decent. And, and I say half decent, you know, not no better than that. But fascinatingly, he was playing, I think, so a holding midfield role for Slavia and was on the bench quite a few times. I think the coach just got fed up with him. He's very casual and lackadaisical. Looks a completely different player now. A few games into the season, started quite uh, nervously, um, but is now playing, you know, as a fullback rather than a midfield, and perhaps took a little bit of time to learn his position. And I suspect that's the human spider plant to whom John was referring. I didn't actually take that up with him, but I'm not quite sure why he's the human spider plant. But no, he's he's he's. I'm pleased for him because obviously he's got quite a stick because everybody knows why he's there. Uh, and there's been one or two um, noises of discontent from within the shack to addressing him, saying he shouldn't be playing. He's only playing because he's. He's under 21 or whatever. Um, and he seems to be doing quite well now, uh, including, you know, metamorphosizing into a, <laughs> into, into a human spider plant when required to block the ball on the line. We're only too happy to publicise such a fantastic nickname. We hope it sticks. We hope that he finds out that he's known as the, the human spider plant on the, the Bell Pod podcast. Uh, the other questions I was going to ask was, where can people watch the Belarusian league um we know that bet365 stream games if you've had a bet or you have an account there um, but it's often quite difficult to watch on bet365 are there other ways that we can catch some of the action yeah, I mean, Bet365 is, is pretty reliable in terms of um, they use, the feeds usually work, they usually go down on the whole. But the problem, of course, is that for most people, it's, 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 it's thumbnail size unless you're quite uh, good at making it bigger. And some people seem to have to do that. So, you know, it, it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, we obviously have been hit to a certain extent by the fact that all the games last year were shown uh, live on YouTube. And so you could watch every single game on YouTube. I think a lot of people have found it hard 
to um, live with the fact that that's not happening anymore. The highlights are on there uh, within an hour of games, but you know people still want to watch the whole game if they can. We can certainly help with that, but you know obviously overall it, it is a bit of a, a drawback to the league that, that we didn't find last year. But you know there there are ways and means. Let's put it that way. There are definitely ways that we can ensure that you can watch the games should you wish to. And and obviously everyone's always welcome to join. You know we don't really. Uh, have a closed shop in that sense if you if you listen to this and thought this sounds like an interesting league I don't just want to uh, bet on it I also would quite like to watch some of it then please do uh, get in touch with us uh, on Bell Pod and we'll uh, definitely make sure that we add you to the to the to the group and the best way to do that for people is through your Twitter account at BellPod2 Absolutely, yeah, that's the best way. Just just put us a message on there, preferably uh, follow us, and then we will you will follow you back, and then that sets up the possibility of you know sending us a DM, and then we can uh, we can go from there. And people do it every day, so it's it's, it's obviously a, a popular way of getting contact with us, and we check check it regularly. So you know, please do get in touch with us on there if you if you've heard this and thought right, well either I've not watched this before and I really want to uh, find out what it's all about, or alternatively you're thinking I watched it last year and I'm missing it a bit, and I'd kind of like to watch it. And it's not on YouTube. Anymore, so what can I do? Yeah, and in terms of the podcast, I presume it's available on all good podcasting platforms. You said it absolutely right. <laughs> is, that, is, that the, like. is that the phrase, the <laughs> box <laughs> phrase that you need to say these days? Uh, say, did, that, did that line even exist like five years ago? <laughs> probably not. Uh, no, yeah, it's just, yeah, you can get it anyway. Like, I mean, we always for the, for the latest episode, there's one being released tomorrow. Um, which should be a good one. We've done a bit of a feature on Smorgan, actually, interestingly. And uh, yeah, we always pin the most recent episode to the top of our you know, Twitter page and then it's, it's available on all the main ones. You can get it on Apple Podcast or, or Spotify or wherever you, wherever you like to take your uh, podcast medicine. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been a phenomenal insight into the Belarusian football scene. I think Greg and I are... I feel slightly embarrassed about my lack of knowledge given that we the amount of time that we devote to Belarus and it's only when you listen to someone like yourself who has a deep knowledge of, of what's going on uh, in the country and obviously in the football leagues that you really appreciate the, the time and effort that you guys put in on the Bell Pod podcast so thank you very much for your time tonight really appreciate it it's been absolutely yeah, pleasure. Thank you for me too. I think, I think, I think, I, my, um, I think my knowledge has grown tenfold yes. um, in the last 12 hours so a big thank you Liam no, absolute yeah. pleasure, and, and I think that probably was our motivation. And many people did just watch it, and perhaps didn't didn't have any way of getting any more insight into. It. And we thought, well, we'd like to provide more insight. So um, it's lovely to have the opportunity to share some of those stories that we've we've learned about over the last six to eight months in Belarus. And so thank you for giving us the platform to uh, to talk a bit about it. And we hope that we've uh, inspired a few people to to join the band. Yeah, it'd be great to have you back on later on in the season. But for the meantime, thanks very much, and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the season. I'm sure we will. And Greg, best of luck with your bet this weekend. That is Gromo to to win six or more corners at four to five. Yes. Okay, best of luck. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Gambler Betting Podcast and we'll be back very soon. Thank you.